thank you for saying that because I haven't interviewed anyone else that's said that hasn't like gone to that side of RV life isn't going to fix you. Are you an RV person or are you just RV life curious, wondering how people live in a tiny space with their family 24 seven? Either way, this is a podcast for you. My name is Kate White and I travel full time with my family and two kids and the dog in an RV. Every week, I sit down with a fellow RV woman to learn why she chose RV life and how she has changed on the road. Pull a chair up to the fire and let's chat. Hello, hello, my friends and fellow RV queens. Today, you are in for a treat. I got to talk with Mel Lar from Lars with Latitude, and her and her family have been on the road for seven years. Oh my gosh. And they just got back from a trip to Greece, which sounded super magical. Uh, she is a self-proclaimed introvert. And the only reason I'm mentioning that is because introverts have the superpower to like really speak about things in a deep way. And that was my favorite thing about Mel. She just kind of like went deep and philosophical on RV life and how we're all searching for freedom and ooh, got me the goosebumps. I love this episode. I think you're going to love it too. Let's dive in. Hello, Mel, and welcome to the RV Queens podcast. How are you today? Wonderful. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be able to come on here and chat. Awesome. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. And also, I mean, the first thing I just have to ask you about is your trip to Greece because you guys just got back, right? We have been in the RV for just a few days. We got home uh, Friday, so... Yeah, it's been crazy. It's a huge transition back. Uh, we lived on a Greek island for three months at an apartment, and that was the first time we really did anything like that in seven years. So I'm sure you've stayed in like homes and hotels and stuff <laughs> in your seven years of full time travel, but I would imagine just not for that. Right, not for that long. Yeah. So we actually we had to just stay in an Airbnb a couple weeks ago, and I like we've only been on the road seven months, so nowhere near as long as you guys but like in that span of time I already forgot what it's like to like when we sleep the floor isn't like bouncing every time someone moves you know (laughs) I felt so grounded (laughs) right it's like oh yeah nothing moves constantly got it got it did you have a dishwasher and amenities like that what's a dishwasher yes yeah (laughs) what's a dishwasher (laughs) okay so you are now back in the rv and then where in the u.s are you these days so we're originally from illinois so we are back we left our rv here because we left our pets with family we are hoping to head out in just a couple of days to head west, but for now we're we're uh, trying to see everybody. Make sure the RV is in order because there were a couple things messed up when we got here. So trying to get everything fixed and on the road. I love it. I'm a Midwesterner too, so <laughs> feel like I'm among friends already. Yeah, we're like Southern Illinois. Where are you from? <laughs> we have been living in Nebraska for about 12 years. That's where my husband is originally from. I am born and raised Missouri, though, so. I feel like it's all kind of the same. It's all the same. We're about to drive through both of those states this weekend. So (laughs) nice. That's awesome. Okay. So I would love to start back seven plus years ago before you guys were in the RV. Tell me about Mel back in the day and what was your life like before full-time travel? 
Yeah. Okay. So we were married and had three kids at the time. And I was a full-time social worker at a school and Luke worked a full-time job. And, uh, you know, he had to commute to St. Louis. We live outside St. Louis. You know, we lived pretty normal lives. We had a three-car garage, a huge house, like 4,000 square feet of madness. Like nobody needs that size of house. And really we had to both work to afford it kind of thing. And then I quit my job because my oldest, uh, it, who is almost 20, and now moved out, but at the time was in fifth grade and we decided to homeschool. So when we started to homeschool, we did that for a couple of years and we realized, wow, life can look really different. It doesn't have to look exactly like society says it does. So we were kind of going down that path. As soon as uh, the homeschooling, which quickly turned into unschooling for our family, we started to unschool ourselves and our own mindsets and what the world could look like. And also we had experienced a couple of deaths, parents and grandparents at younger ages. And our eyes just really started to open about everything. And as unschoolers, we also realized that we could show our kids the world. We didn't have to sit in one place. But both of our jobs, I mean, I wasn't even working anymore, but my husband's job was one place. Uh, he had to go into the office. So we didn't know how to figure that out yet. But basically we said, we're going to do this. It was I think September, 2015. So we, I read like the magic of tidying up by Marie Kondo. And I started just purging everything we owned and it accumulated, you know, then we just got the ball rolling. And as soon as we set our eye on the prize, then all the things started happening. So you said that homeschooling quickly turned into unschooling for you guys. Tell me about that. So yeah, I have some special needs kiddos and completely different, different, needs all of them i have four kids so but my at the time i only had three and one was going into kindergarten and the one was in fifth grade and my oldest is on the spectrum but also highly gifted so needed like more advanced stuff so they were going to skip a grade which is why we started homeschooling and when we when we pulled the homeschool we, i had like this schedule I'm like we're going to do math at this time we're going to do reading at this time and then my oldest would be doing science for like three hours. And I'm like, why would I stop my kid who's like totally passionate and into this thing and say, no, you got to do what I say you have to do. So it quickly just naturally, I think, turned into unschooling and also having one that was going into kindergarten. It was really easy for me to be like, oh, it's kindergarten. You know, let's try this. Mm -hmm. And it took me a couple of years, though, of researching. I was the only one in all the homeschool groups who unschooled. I was... I was alone, <laughs> alone in that. No one else did it. So I was listening to podcasts and reading books. And so that's that's kind of how that started. So what does unschooling mean to you now that you've been into this a few years? You know, I'm sure it's changed over time, but how would how do you define it? Right, yeah. I, I guess we've been unschooling for nine years, over nine years now. And I think the more, the longer you do it, the more you realize uh, how wonderful it is. So it's very easy, especially after you get past the first couple of years. The first couple of years is stressful. You're like, do this worksheet. I'll make sure you're learning something. And you're kind of freaking out. Like, am I doing the right thing? But after you start realizing that your kids are just naturally learning things and that there's no separation between life and learning, then it is all the same thing. That we don't have to stop life to learn. That it kind of just intertwines with everything we're doing already. 
uh, then it becomes a much richer experience. Learning is fun. It's part of who we are. It's exciting. It's passion-led. It's child-led. That's great. So uh, last week I had an interview with Joni Zander. I don't know if you know her. She runs the Galavan community and has a YouTube channel and stuff. And her kids are both grown now. And But she unschooled them from a very young age back in like, you know, long time ago. Uh, I don't I can't even put a number to it, but she defines unschooling as learning. She paved the way. Right. I know for the rest of us learning without as if school didn't exist. And what would you do if there wasn't a school? How would you learn? You know, you would find books, you would go online and find resources, you know, like go into nature and study things. And I thought that was a really beautiful way of putting it, even for us families that it's kind of becoming a more common phrase now. And I I like how that was stated. Yeah, a lot of people think unschoolers just don't do anything all day, but it looks nothing like that. It actually is a more partner kind of led learning. I, I see myself not as a teacher, but like as their partner in life and how can we support them? So sometimes we use curriculum. My 10-year-old just asked for math curriculum the other day, and we got a, some Beast Academy in the mail. So it's not like we don't do those things. It's just depends on the kid and what their needs are, how they like to learn, uh, what they're passionate about. It doesn't mean we just don't do anything. It means that we're constantly asking questions and you know, chase on rabbit holes or rabbit trails. So your oldest is now an adult. You said they moved out and can, is it okay to ask, like, what are they up to now that they've, you know, gone through unschooling since fifth grade, it sounds like, and then what does their life look like as an adult? Right. So as I mentioned, my oldest is on this autism spectrum. So it probably looks a lot different than most adults. And Leander has a lot of physical health issues right now. So, but I will say that after unschooling for eight years, a lot of people who normally homeschool like to hear this story because it fits inside the box. So Leander was 16 and said, I want to go to college. And we said, okay, well, I guess we're going to, you're going to have to figure out how to do that. Because if you're, if you're old enough to go to college at this age, then you need to show us that you're old enough by doing all the steps it takes, doing your own research, all of those things. So we said, you can go a year early if it's paid for. And if, you know, every, if, if you take care of doing all of the paperwork and everything, little did we know it would actually happen (laughs) because Leander scored like almost perfect on college entrance exams. We thought you're unschooled. There's going to be some gaps. There's going to be, as I told you, Leander's gifted. So, but we were still surprised. Like you haven't learned the geometry, (laughs) you know? Uh, So so there were like, it wasn't a perfect score, but I, it was dang good. And then like Leander applied to all of these colleges and we're like, like Luke and I are like, there's no way. And then, and then Leander has like face interviews with like Dartmouth and Stanford, like Zoom call interviews. Like what is, oh my gosh. Uh, so Leander ended up going to the University of Denver in Colorado, which is a private university and got a fluoride scholarship. I had already gone and toured some schools with Lander, like Rice University in Houston and stuff. And I met with the counselors. I'm like, we are unschoolers. How should this look on transcripts? What should 
what should we do? They're like, well, just fill out the paperwork as if everything's normal. So we made a transcript app, everything Lander was learning, you know, every year, you know, coastal ecology when we were in the Carolinas for six months, you know, that we did, we made classes for everything. And Leander basically for all of those higher level institutions had to write big papers to get in, had to prove with the tests, had to prove with the writing, had, had to, you know, do all that without our help. Like we, I did not even do the transcript. I just wrote a counselor letter, uh, explained what unschooling was, what we did in our home, how we learned and who Leander was as a person. So, yeah, I mean, it, and then all of a sudden we're like, oh crud, we're actually sending our kid a year early to college, which was really scary. <laughs> My point is it's possible, but Leander had social and emotional and physical health issues due to the autism and everything related with it. So there's a lot of things, kinks that he worked out with in regard to that, but definitely not academic. But I think that's what's really interesting is our other kids are not going to have the same struggles growing up as an as in our home as an unschooler. Even if they went to public school, they're all completely different and they're all going to have different paths. Some of them, like we don't even really think college is necessary, you know. So when Leander was talking about going to college, we're like, why don't you take a gap year and travel? <laughs> We're travelers, <laughs> you know, like Leander was into speaking Korean. We're like, go live in South Korea for a year, you know, but Leander wanted to take that traditional path. So we supported Leander in that. Oh, I love that so much. I'm excited to see what the rest of your kids do too. Cause we, we do the same thing with our kids. We're already putting little seeds into their minds of you don't have to go to college if you don't want to start a business, make your own money, <laughs> you know? Because Drew and I, Drew and I both had very traditional paths, and were super duper in debt with college loan debt when we started our adult lives, and had to like, you know, literally eight years to get out of that debt, and you know, want to support them. Right? No, I completely agree. We both have degrees too, and there's like, yeah, why? Especially, well. And our teenager, he's 14, is already trying to start all these little businesses. So he's definitely more entrepreneurial-minded. <laughs> yep. <laughs> There's a lot of kids I've, we've met in the RV community, too, that are they have little businesses on the side. And I love it. I love it so much. You guys started homeschooling. And then connect the dots for me. You're having thoughts about like, oh, our life could look different. But your husband was still tied to like sticks and breaks or what's the word for a job uh a workplace an office-based nine to five nine to five yeah nine to five all that stuff and this is pre-covid so working remotely was even more rare back then what like what was that big why that you guys on the road and then logistically how did you make it happen okay so big why was probably like we live a short life we can design it the way we want Let's educate our kids to the max. Like this is the ultimate unschooling because you're supposed to, as unschoolers, just expose your kids to things, see what they're interested in. And we thought, well, let's go out and expose them to the world. Uh, so that was our goal. We wanted to go to all the national parks, see the country. My husband's job like could not be done remote. Like there was no way. And maybe at the time I could have done social work remotely. But when I quit my job, it was just really emotionally taxing because I worked with kids with 
emotional and behavior disorders. And I was just drained and I didn't have the energy to parent my own kids. So I remember when I stopped, I thought, I'm just going to put my energy and my love into my people and go from there. So we knew I probably wasn't going to do social work remotely. We knew Luke's job couldn't be done remotely, but we didn't know what to do. So we, like I said, we sold everything. We had huge, big trash days that were just depressing and gave everything to Goodwill. And so this was September, 2015. By the early 2016, January, mid to late January, Luke got offered a job to transfer from his position in St. Louis to Houston. And I said, do it because we can live in an RV in Houston. <laughs> we can't live in an RV all year in Illinois. So I thought because, well, and it, even now it's miserable to be here in the winter. So we did that. But the day he turned in the form and said, okay, I take this job. We found out we were pregnant two hours later with my fourth baby. And I was like, oh my gosh. Well, we're babies in an RV. <laughs> oh my gosh. And I'm not like a good pregnant person. And I'm sick the entire time. <laughs> it's just, it's a hot, it's a hot, hot mess. So it was bad. It was great news because we we're excited to be having another baby, but also really challenged. It was going to be really challenging. And it was, it proved to be, but we had to move out, be in Houston. And I think he started three weeks after he took the job. So before we knew it, February 2016, we were in Houston. Luckily, they helped us sell our house. They they transferred all our, like, you know, moved us. And we were in, like, an apartment for a month or so. And then we moved into an RV. Not this one. We did not buy this one until our house sold. So we didn't buy this one until, like, August. But basically, 2016, we started traveling. We just traveled through Texas in Louisiana and around there until I had Rory. And then luckily I was able to have a water birth because all my other babies were in the hospital and he was a VBAC. So it was really great that we moved to Texas because Illinois didn't like allow natural birth outside the hospital. <laughs> so then we started looking for a job. Now, this was crazy because like I said, Luke's job, he was basically a safety manager and worked at a plant. So he had to be in the office every day. There was no way to do this job at any other place. So what he started to realize in his company was he could create a position that traveled. So they hired him for the position he created, but told us he couldn't move in the RV again to fly. So we said, oh, I guess we're not taking the position. And then he started looking. <laughs> so we were working on that angle for a while and then it didn't work out. So we switched gears and he started looking for jobs in the construction industry because they still need safety managers on site. So he did, I think, over 100 interviews until he found one that wanted to hire him and would let us move in an RV. We did that job for a few years. We traveled from job to job for two or three months at a time throughout the eastern half of the U.S. And we'd have like a month or two off in between jobs. So it was kind of nice because we'd be in one spot, check that whole area out, and then we'd have a month or two to travel and see other things and go to the next spot. So we did that for a few years. Then he switched to another company that moved every couple of weeks. It was the same sort of work. And then he got a remote job in that company that he created the position for. Again, he's having to create these positions that he can do remotely. But after a year of that, he got laid off from that job. And this was two or three years ago. And we're like, 
this is our chance to do our own thing. We have to start our own businesses or we're going to keep doing this. Like, you know, and it's scary. It's scary to start your own business doing something that, because both of our degrees are in things, we had to come up with completely new things to do. But it's really scary when you have kids to support, right? And you are all of a sudden completely in charge of your finances and how much money you make and all of that. But we did it. He started his own specialized recruiting company uh, that basically hires for the jobs he used to do. So it's not just recruiting anybody, it's recruiting safety managers for companies. So he has all of the knowledge from working in, in those positions and now he can hire for them. So it's been really great. And then I started doing the social media more seriously and creating it as a business, like treating it as a business rather than a scrapbook. So yeah, it's been a whirlwind, but now we can work from anywhere. And I remember sitting on the deck at our house before we did all this, having a conversation and saying, you'll know we made it when we're working from the beach in Bali. And we were just working from the beach in Greece. So I kind of feel like that counts, right? <laughs> oh my gosh. A hundred percent. Yes. Have you heard that song that came out by, I think the singer is Tones and I, and it's called We Made It. And it has like this big anthem at the end with like a choir and it says, we made it. Oh, we made it. Oh, Me, that's our husband, song then. Yeah, go look it up. It's so good. Cause when we, yeah. it just, it's new, like it came out a few months ago. And I played it for my husband. I'll have to look it up. Yeah, we we like we love, you know, traveling full time and we get to like see these beautiful places like we're right outside Chattanooga right now. And it's just, oh, the sunrise and sunsets and the hills. It's just those are the moments that you really feel that that song like, yeah, sitting on the beach in Greece. Right. Uh, definitely and uh but then there's also moments where the kids puking in the middle of the night and the whole rv smells like puke and you're also like drew will look at me and be like we made it i'm like yep still here well <laughs> it's right? all part of it that always happens that's when we're boondocking and we're not cooked up to water <laughs> oh no oh my gosh at that point i feel like, like it always happens during the worst time Right. Uh, just throw it all outside. Let the animals eat the yes. puke clothes. <laughs> we'll deal with it in the morning. We'll buy new bedding. It's fine. Right. Yeah, yeah. Totally. Oh, okay. What a journey. That's amazing. And I didn't even, I thought you guys were entrepreneurs from the beginning. So it's incredible like to hear that uh -oh. leap from being a remote employee uh, really tied to a paycheck and then in the middle of RV life like you know it's not a super cheap way to live like some people think there's definitely expenses that come with it uh, including repairs, <laughs> repairs. <laughs> making that switch that's so risky in the middle of your journey is a lot that I applaud you guys that's really brave of you i think maybe in some ways but some ways not because if you think about it a lot of people jump into rv life and they do it all at once like okay we're gonna homeschool we're gonna rv and we're gonna work remotely and then try to figure it all out at the same time and we are baby step kind of people <laughs> so we're like okay we're homeschooling now let's figure out how to live in the rv and now let's figure out how to move the rv like i said his first job we only moved every couple of months 
and then we moved faster and then we worked remote and then we got our own job. I mean, this is how baby step it's taken seven years, you know, it's taken us a long time to get where it takes some people like two months. So (laughs) yeah, Uh, we definitely, we, we definitely took it slow, but slow and steady wins the race, right? (laughs) That's right. And it's a smart path for, I think there's probably a lot more people that are like you that are looking for, if they want a life of time freedom and, you know, location freedom and all that stuff that comes with RV life, that's a good model that you just put out there is baby step. Me and my husband were the complete opposite. We're like just full immersion dive in. We've never, we don't know anything about RVs, but we did, we both were working remotely and we were already familiar with homeschool. So it was just like that, the RV stuff. We knew nothing. The RV um, stuff and the RV stuff's a huge, like people don't realize it's how hard it is to, I mean, for us anyway, our first two years of moving the RV, it was more issues with our truck, but we were broke down on the side of the road every time we moved for two years. It mm-hmm. was every, we had six, and then on the RV, six tire blowouts. I mean, we had lots of little things in the RV oh. go wrong, like toilet issue, just stuff that I don't even care about anymore. Cause now, nowadays you just realize it's par for the course. But at the time right. with a brand new infant, on the side oh of the road. Gosh. I remember he was a month old and I was nursing him and we we were on the side of the road. We had no clue what was wrong with the truck. And I call them travel angels, but but travel angels show up every time. And like this guy hooked our whole system up with a huge chain and like pulled us off the highway. And we, we slept in some random gas station parking lot in Missouri. November 2016 and I woke up with my my shades were all shut and I forgot where I was you know and then I looked outside and I'm like I cooked like a hot meal for my family I'm like I cannot freaking believe this is my life right now like is this a good way to raise kids but then that day they tow truck came took the truck where it needed to get fixed and because we don't have a class a someone was able to just tow it to a campground and we were able to live our normal lives for a few days while the truck got fixed so yeah we've come a long way since then but we have had fires in the middle of the highway we've had transmissions go out on the side of the mountain and have to back down like we've had horror stories and i think because of those stories early on in our travel, we have really become resilient and realized that all these little things that go wrong, it's fine. It's fine. And if something big happens, I mean, one time we were rolling up the side of a mountain at Northern Georgia and we pull in to get our state park campground pass and Luke comes out and where the fifth wheel attaches to the truck was ripping off the RV hanging by like a thread so we just like went up the whole mountain and i, I mean i was like what the heck <laughs> but Luke serious? like drove an hour found the part came back redid it all and you know we're just like Luke can fix anything so we're fine <laughs> that is i have never heard that it's full and now i have a new uh nightmare <laughs> It was not as bad as as the the transmission on the side of the mountain thing because backing down a mountain, 
That first truck we got was a Ford. <laughs> it was an old Ford. So don't yeah. get an old Ford. <laughs> oh my gosh. We drive them old. How, like, how old are you I don't know anything about, about trucks. Oh my gosh. I don't either. Oh, do you have a Ford? <laughs> yes. And it's a 2014, so it's kind of old. Oh, no, no, no. This was, this was a 2009 or something. 2000. Probably a two. Either a six or nine, I don't remember. <laughs> mm. But it was like okay. a 450. We thought this is beefy. A 450 yeah. will haul a toy hauler just by. Yeah. But yeah. it just kept having problems. And every time we'd fix something, we'd be like, well, now we everything's broken. So it's fine. And then something else would break. We're like, what oh is gosh. going on? Oh my gosh. So yeah. My well, that's why we have a brand new truck. And we spend a lot of money on that payment because we we went through some traumas <laughs> yes well i mean we had the we had basically the opposite story with our first camper and mind you we've only been on the road seven months so the first three months of travel was with a really crappy old fifth wheel that didn't have auto leveling and had soggy floors and we bought it pre-owned uninspected like we did not know anything and it kept breaking and our travel days were horror stories because of the rv like the truck so far knock on wood has because been the fine on yeah. but it was always like the landing gear like i don't even know won't come down won't go up the leveling the blah 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 and i don't know if you had this experience right. but the uh, I would like on our travel days, I would just like get a ton of anxiety in the morning and I'm like, Oh God, what is going to go wrong now? <gasps> like just like bracing myself all day. So we ended up getting a new camper and selling that one. And now we have a nice new camper and a 2014 truck. And guess what? Our nice new camper still has problems, <laughs> still has problems. Like yeah. the bedroom side has never worked. They in this all thing. do. I know. And so now I'm finally coming to the wisdom oh. and peace that you are showcasing, which is like, you know what? This is just how it goes. When you're trying to move a tiny home, yeah. instantly, like, stuff's going to shift. It's going to break. It's going to be all right. Yeah, it's kind of ridiculous. We have, uh, over the past couple of years, leaf springs kept breaking. Um, they haven't since we upgraded, but yeah, it, we drive this thing through Baja, though, and, like, crazy boondocking roads. So we don't even care. Like, I would rather have a really great boondocking site and break a leaf spring than not have it. So that's how we we travel. Like, we know, like, if we have to break, we have to fix something, it's fine. Like, that's how fine we are with things breaking at this point. <laughs> you know, you can tell. You just have this attitude in life about don't sweat the small stuff. It's fine. Whatever. And you value the more important things. Okay, like but together. that's not how it always was. <laughs> that's not how, you know what, though? I This one time we were driving and we had hit, we had scraped our roof on a McDonald's. This was at the very beginning of our travels. And then we Wait, ran out of gas. you took your trailer the through a McDonald's? This was all the same morning. Well, no, we were trying to drive around the back of a gas station. <laughs> And it had a McDonald's attached to it. So we hit like oh the gosh. sign. Oh my gosh. And and then we ran out of gas. Then we go to the Hardee's parking lot to get breakfast because we're just like, just get some breakfast. 
and I go in and I come out with these two huge bags and the wind comes and all my breakfast falls on the ground. Are you kidding And Luke, like, Luke gets mad at me. He gets mad at me because he's stressed from everything else that happened. And so I freaking, we're driving down the road and I like threw my breakfast sandwich in his face. Like it was bad. Like we did not always handle stress really good. together. I mean, you just, you got to work through it though, or you got to quit, you know? So we weren't, we weren't ready to stop our being. So we had to work through our stuff. So. <laughs> oh my gosh. So many examples I could give of like very similar conversations, but I'm going to keep us moving. <laughs> okay. So I'm curious to hear your perspective about community on the road. How have you met people? Are there certain, you know, online groups or in-person groups or whatever? How do you meet other families uh, that are RV families on the road? Okay. So the first couple of years, we weren't very good at it because we were going job to job. We didn't have thousand trails. I wasn't as active on Instagram. So the families we did meet at state parks were just there for the weekend, things like that. So we didn't really meet a lot of friends the first couple of years. Luke and I are both introverted, so it was kind of okay. Uh, the kids, especially certain kids, really liked meeting friends. And, you know, so that was hard. But then after that, we started getting active on, on social media. When, when I started getting active on social media... I started connecting with people in direct messages. And I mean, that's where I shine. I'm more of a one-on-one -on -one kind of person. So when people are messaging me, that oftentimes if we're going to be in the same area, that's how we, we plan things and meet up. Also, Thousand Trails campgrounds. You always meet people at Thousand Trails campgrounds. We typically boondock. Uh, we don't always do Thousand Trails. Uh, we went to Thousand Trails Orlando once. And it was a bit much for us. There's just so many freaking people. So we definitely prefer like meeting up with a couple of other families and like boondocking or something. So yeah, TTO, as they say, it's a lot. We were there for three weeks. We kind of like stumbled into it because we didn't know anything about Thousand Trails. And we ended up there with a bunch of people that we met in January in Florida which is, I don't know if there's a busier time or not busy time. It seems like the kind of place that's just constantly busy. And it was, the first week was like a party all week. And we loved it. Like fires every night and kids everywhere. And then by week two, I was like, do not come in my <laughs> You are going to solo build this camper. <laughs> if I have to sweep this floor one more time. Uh, and by the third week, it was like, all right. We love you. We love you so much, kids, but we got to go. We got to, we need some space, but it really is a magical place for the kids. It is. It is. And we parked on the B field that trip and I parked in such a way where I could see the whole dang field. So I just stayed inside and cleaned my RV. And I remember thinking this is the first time my RV has been this clean in a really long time because yeah. my kids were just outside playing the whole time. Right. So it's actually kind of nice in that way. <laughs> That's right. That's right. You you have some time to get some stuff done when the oh. kids are out, out playing. That's right. Uh -huh. um, okay. So you find families on social media and you like to connect with one or two families. That's, I love that. Has, ha, do you feel like over the past seven years online or 
I don't know, in person either. Has the RV community and culture like changed in the time that you've been living this life? I don't know about culture so much as people's why they're traveling. There's a lot, obviously there's a lot more people on the road the past couple of years. What has really changed for us it is the ability to just roll into a state park or anywhere for that matter and get a campsite that day. That's basically how we have always traveled. We are last minute, don't plan ahead, roll in. And as the, the, as the years have gone by, the more we've realized you can't just roll in anymore. Uh, so although we rolled in here, so in this place, <laughs> in the out of spot. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, that's gotten trickier. Uh, as far as the people, I feel like the cool thing about our viewers is that they're all, no matter what background, what politics, what religion, it doesn't matter. We all have this common goal of more freedom, more togetherness, probably more nature, and it's awesome because you get around a campfire and you get this unique eclectic group of people who all have this one common drive and we've stepped outside that box that society had us in and we have this like subculture and it's great. I love that there's more people doing it. That's why I share on social media. I want to inspire more families to live their best lives. Uh, if think of what an amazing world this would be if more people lived true to their soul and their heart's desire, you know? So if I just change one family's life, that's the only reason I post every day. If I could just change one person's life, then I'm doing something, right? Wow, well said. I think I got goosebumps while you were saying that. I was like, yes, freedom. Yes, that's right. Aww. That's what we're all here for. Oh, so good. So you talked, you, I just asked you about how the RV community has changed over the years. How do you think you have changed over the past seven years? Being When you reflect back on Mel, who was a social worker and lived in a physical home <laughs> in one spot in St. Louis to now, what do you think the biggest changes have been for you? Oh my gosh. I just feel like our family and myself, we're just completely different people. Um, but at the same time, the same, obviously. It's crazy. I think year after year after year, when you're away from the noise and the judgment, this is the society and community you were in before. And the only people you're in is this, like I said, this really cool subculture of people who are oh, overwhelmingly accepting and have that same mindset. You have the ability to grow in completely new ways because the stories and projections of others aren't coming at you all the time. So I would say emotional growth would be 100%. Of course, we've had the ability to work on finances and we've had the ability to work on uh, just like physical health. You know, all the things that you want to do to improve yourself, but the emotional and relationship uh, growth that has come from this lifestyle, it is why we still do it. It's why we're still here after seven years. You put, you know, six people into less than 400 square feet and everybody's stuff's going to hit the fan. <laughs> I've had people ask me, my husband and I are thinking about a divorce. Should I travel in an RV to save our marriage? 
And I say, no, I don't think so. <laughs> I don't think it's going to be the path to saving a marriage. Do I think you're going to have more connection and grow together if you choose? Yes. But first, everything's going to be harder, way harder. And, and you can't just brush off any argument. You can't just walk in the other room. It just, it walks there with you. You're just with it all the time. So unless you work through it and unless you face it, it's not going to happen. And so if you're walking into this without a steady foundation, I can imagine it would crumble a lot quicker. That's just my thought on the whole thing. Um, but I do think it strengthens marriage over time. But I think walking into it with a steady foundation is important so that you have some place to move forward from, you know. I think all the stressors that go with it at first would make it too much, especially if you're trying to save your marriage. <laughs> totally. That's so wise. It's funny that you say that because a few weeks ago we met a family. They were across from us at this campground and they were on day three of living in an RV full-time. And I could tell oh, wow. from the way they talked about it, it was their mindset was like, now we live in an RV. Now we are free. Now this is going to be the life that we uh -huh. want. And um, just uh -huh. it made me and my husband have a lot of conversations after meeting them about it's actually finding the freedom inside yourself first and inside your own mind that really, like you said, sets a foundation for a good life on the road. Because if you're trying to uh -huh. fix everything by living in an RV, that's absolutely not going to happen. You know, like it has to come from uh -huh. a place of freedom and joy and kind of wholeness on the inside first. Like nothing external is going to fix what's going on inside. I don't care if you travel to Bali and Greece and like everywhere in the world. Uh, it's always... Right. Your problems chase work. you everywhere. Oh, I was, I was just going to like, thank you for saying that because I haven't interviewed anyone else that's said that, you know, hasn't like gone to that side of RV life isn't going to fix you. It's not perfect. It, it really is a lot of heavy emotional work that you're not expecting. But in the end, it makes you more resilient. It makes you grow, you know, all the beautiful things that come from it. But it's not going to fix you. <laughs> right, right. And I also, I have rose-colored glasses. So I'm the person who walked into this thinking everything's going to be beautiful. And so as things started to fall apart, as the truck was breaking down, as all these things were happening, I was melting down. Um, I was like, this isn't the dream I had. We're not in Zion National Park looking over these, you know, beautiful views. What is going on? This is terrible. And luckily, my husband would be the steady voice and uh, a reason, and we would stick it through. And then the next day, I'd be like, oh, yeah, we're totally RVing forever. <laughs> um, because as you said earlier, like every time you have an awe-inspiring moment, it really lifts you up in a way and pushes you forward in a way that like you almost get addicted to the awe. I can't imagine going back to the mundane of regular life after living sup such epic adventures, you know? I'm not saying we never will, but thankfully 
my kids agree and they want to keep rolling. So here we are. Mm, I'm glad you said that. I was going to uh, end with a couple questions here. So number one, what is next for you guys? Are you staying on the road in the United States for a little longer? Do you have world travel in your sites? What do you got cooking? Yeah, so uh, we have exciting plans this summer. This is the first time I'm announcing. <laughs> we are going to Canada. So we've been to Montreal, but we haven't been to the Canadian Rockies or the coast coastal BC area. We were going to try to go up to Alaska to get state number 49. But my 14-year-old uh, son is wanting to play football this fall. So we're hoping to make a stop in northern Idaho with friends to play a football season. Uh, so I think August, September, October. After that, who knows? We have a lot of ideas <laughs> about what we're going to do. We don't know what that looks like yet. Ooh, that's exciting. But we will for sure be traveling. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So cool. Last question. And then I would love for you to tell people where listeners can connect with you online. Uh, so the slogan for this podcast is a podcast about unexpected riches. And I would love for you to share what has been the unexpected richness that you have found in RV life. Oh, that's so hard because I think it really encompasses the whole lifestyle. I would say that richness looks a lot different than I thought it did when we had that house. I thought I needed a new car and a big house and I, I needed to have, I mean, that's what I thought, you know, I had, I knew in my soul, it wasn't right, but I also didn't think that my dreams were possible. So now, of course, richness is freedom. And I think every other part of this lifestyle, it comes back to freedom. Because it doesn't matter if you like to travel to historical sites or national parks, or you like to go to cities and try new coffee shops. What matters is that you can, you have the ability, the wheels on our, like we had, uh, my best friend came over when we first started RVing and her little boy said, why do you live in this trailer? And I said, <laughs> because it has wheels. And if it, I mean, it has wheels, it can take us wherever we want. And that is one thing even we missed in Greece was the ability to just go. You don't like your neighbors, but yeah, you know, you, you don't, you don't like this view, go check out another one. You want to go home and see family because there's a wedding. Okay. Like you have the freedom to be and go and do as you please. And that's honestly the new rich as they call it, right? <laughs> that's right. Location independent. That's right. Ooh, well said. Okay, thank you so much. Ooh, I feel like I could talk with you for about three more hours, but another time, maybe in person, hopefully. Maybe a campfire. Yes, a yes. campfire. A real one. Can you share with everyone where people can connect with you online? So my handle on Instagram is Lars with Latitude. At Lars with Latitude. It's our last name and our last name is spelled L-A-H-R. So Lars with Latitude. And you can find us on YouTube. We are on TikTok now, Facebook, I think all the things. <laughs> so, but most uh, most of my focus is Instagram, and we just started posting YouTube videos again. So hopefully more of that soon. All right. Well, thank you so much, Mel. It was such a pleasure and joy to have you on today. Thank you so much. It was great meeting you. 
It was a lot of fun. So what did you think? Was that inspiring or what? Hey, before you go, I have two things to ask you. Number one, do you have any questions about RV life or things that you want to hear from the RV women that I'm interviewing? If you do, please send me a DM at RV Queens podcast on Instagram, and I will include those questions in some upcoming interviews. Also, if you like this show and it resonates with you or you're being entertained by it or made you cry, laugh, feel something... <laughs> Will you please share it with a friend or share it on your Instagram stories? You can tag our guest and you can tag RV Queens podcast. And that would really spread the love and help us out a lot. Thank you for being here. I really love being part of this community and I will see you on the road. If I have to sweep this floor one more time.